You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Recording today's episode on a Thursday afternoon. So far, no finalization of all the reported deals regarding the Miami Heat, but that's okay. We can assume things are going to be moving forward in the way they've been reported. And as such, I'll be talking to Sean Woodley, the host of Locked on Raptors, to get his perspective on everything regarding Kyle Lowry, the proposed deal that would send Goran Dragic and Precious Achua and potentially a second round pick to the Raptors. And, you know, it's a great conversation with Sean. I really wanted to talk to somebody who knows about Kyle, who's seen him grow as a leader, as a player, uh, what his thought process was regarding the trade. He shed some light on a lot of what happened in the deadline as well. And the fact that I think it was a good mutual parting between Lowry and the Raptors, one that they probably would have welcomed him back, but also just because it was a, a an opportunity to move on to not necessarily greener pastures, but different ones. And so I'm sure you'll probably enjoy it. Um, just a reminder, you can always reach out to me via email and also via Twitter. And also make sure you follow this podcast and leave a review. That's always appreciated. But anyway, without further ado, here's my conversation with Locked On Raptors host, Sean Woodley. Welcome to a special crossover episode. I'm here with Locked On Raptors host, Sean Woodley. And we're talking about, well, free agency, of course. It's been a big week for both the Toronto franchise and the Miami Heat. And we're here to discuss Kyle Lowry, Goran Dragic, and so much more around the NBA. First and foremost, Sean, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, man. I'm uh, sad that Kyle Lowry is no longer on the Raptors. Very excited to watch the Maniac team the Heat have put together with a bunch of old dudes who rock. Um, And it's kind of, I guess, a little bit easier to accept the Lowry news considering it feels like the deadline was like the time for goodbyes with Larry. Like it seemed like for sure he was going to get dealt that day. And he did like a big press conference the night before after the Raptors had picked up a really nice win. I think it was their only win in the month of March because they were so hard hit by COVID. Um, And, you know, he had a really like 25 minutes where he kind of went and he seemed like he was holding court for the last time. So I think that kind of gives people some closure. And I also just think, you know, that there's an element to it where it was kind of time and there was always this sort of, shadow of Kyle over the over the Raptors and, and like a very good shadow but it's sort of like a big brother shadow over guys like Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and now they get to kind of do their own thing so it's uh, certainly sad but also I think you know you can totally accept it and it's not like there was some sort of nasty divorce between player and team which is I think the biggest thing and it's kind of rare right like you rarely ever get the franchise legend and the team that they play for having a perfectly harmonious split. And they've kind of gotten that with Lowry, which is pretty nice. Well, I wasn't really aware of that because I think from the heat fan perspective, everybody's really excited about the addition. Well, maybe not everybody. I I mean, there's a, unfortunately a rather vocal small portion of the fan base that is, you know, (laughs) decrying the move because he's too old because he's overpaid and things that sort. Although at this point, recording this on a Thursday afternoon, still no details regarding the exact amount that he's going to be paid over the next three seasons, what his contract is going to be or anything like that. But you, you bring up an interesting point there in that, maybe both Lowry and the franchise, the Raptors franchise was ready to move on. Cause I don't think that's something that's been talked about enough. It kind of felt like mm-hmm. at least from this outsider's perspective, 
you know, Toronto still wanted to keep Kyle. And while they probably would have re-signed him if he wanted to come back, it feels like there's a mutual parting there, at least according to you. So is, was that the case then? Would he have been welcome back if he had said, you know what, I'm willing to take less money. I just want to come back and play out the rest of my career in Toronto. Would he have been welcomed back by the Raptors franchise? Or was it ready, really ready for both you know parties to move on? I think 100% he would have been welcome back. I, I still held out some hope that he was going to come back. When things started circulating that he was going to earn three years 90, yeah. that kind of gave me a little bit of pause just because the Raptors are already a pretty expensive team. And, you know, they're trying to plot their course forward. And I don't know how well you can do that when you have a 35-year-old Kyle Lowry with a roster that is probably not as equipped to win as Miami's roster is. And for those who are maybe skeptical about the move from Miami, don't worry. I'll do plenty of Lowry propaganda throughout this episode. So you'll feel much better about it by the end of the time we're done talking yeah. here. But yeah, I think there was always the openness to him coming back. But also, you know, the way I've kind of summed it up, the analogy I've used is if you ever had like a TV show that you love that maybe went like two or three seasons too long and like you yes. still like the show, but it would have been perfect had it ended at a certain point. Like I kind of feel like, the Raptors and Kyle Lowry. It's like if the wire had ended after season four, as opposed to shoehorning in season five, you know, like it, it was, you know, you still like season five and it's fun and McNulty's doing the great stuff that you love, but it also maybe isn't at the same level as everything else was. And so, yeah, I think when you look at it, it was kind of time, the openness still would have been there, but you know, I think the Raptors are perfectly okay. Kind of moving forward and charting their own course without him, because it is kind of a, a new weird sort of reality, right? Like Lowry's been the franchise for nine years. He's been the best player on the team every one of those nine years, except for the year Kawhi was on the team. And it is sort of like these new untested waters. But sometimes you find a nice little sandbar and you're like, hey, this new water is lovely. Why were we kind of treading out in this, you know, sort of part we've been in for as long as we have been? I think for everyone involved, it's kind of a, an easy time to, to accept it. And I think the fact that Lowry you know, got the last couple seasons of just sort of unadulterated adoration from Raptors fans, you know, the 2019, 20 season where they surprised and were the second best team in the East and were just this absolute buzzsaw of chemistry and ball movement and everything you like about a sort of underdog plucky team that maybe isn't really a title contender, but certainly plays like such in the regular season. That season was so amazing for Lowry's sort of reputation. It was like this free and easy liberated season for him. There was nothing left to prove getting that year. And as well, the 2021 season, which was sort of, you know, a nightmare from all respects yeah. with the Raptors, but you got some good moments in there. Even, you know, there's like the, you know, should they have traded him at the deadline question? And some people are still upset about that in Raptors land thinking, Oh, you didn't get all the possible assets you could have for him. I didn't really care about that. I, I enjoyed watching him, even though he sat a lot down the stretch. He played like seven games, one of which he scored like 38 points against the Lakers, and it was freaking awesome. And he was there as sort of, you know, a guy offering wisdom to the younger players on the team. There was, uh, you know, the last couple of years with just a really peaceful, loving, you know, two-way appreciation, I think, between player and franchise that made yeah. the departure that much easier. Well, I do definitely want to talk about that because I, I feel, you know, one of the things that, I wasn't really aware of it. And, and maybe even like fans, uh, heat fans listening to this probably seem very skeptical, but you know, I, I read the piece that just came out this week from Katie Heindel, who I'll be having on the show at some point in the next few days. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, she kind of summed up, I think, what a lot of Raptors fans feel like about the importance of Kyle Lowry. And you kind of hinted at it right now that he was the team's best player, but it went beyond that. Like Kyle was he was just a player that was beloved by all of Raptor fandom and that he just, he w- inspired his teammates. He was the leader emotionally and statistically on that team, except for that one year with, uh, Ka- you know, Kawhi. And other than that, he was just, he was everything that Raptors fans wanted him to be. And it's a painful loss. I mean, I, I know that right now we're supposed to be unbiased. We're supposed to be removed from the situation, but judging from what I've seen from Raptors fans, it's something that they're taking particularly hard. So I do absolutely want to get into that, but I'm curious as to the, the reason why Toronto might want to have moved on from Kyle. Was it because they just want to see what Van Vliet's capable of? Is it just time to, you know, was he too old? to kind of carry this team uh, statistically and on the floor was his role kind of evolving more towards just a, an emotional leadership perspective, a mentoring role rather than an on-court production kind of role. No, I mean, the on-court production was still there this year, even though I think sure. there was a slight step back. And I think, you know, it's hard to determine whether that was him becoming 35 or the team itself, just going through it in such a drastic way between COVID and being relocated to Tampa and everything that happened you know, the encore production was still very much there. And I think that's why they would have been okay bringing him back. I honestly think, you know, it's just as much a Lowry thing, right? I think he probably looked at what the Raptors are right now. And, you know, they had these big designs on the summer of 2021 and Giannis and all this stuff. And I think had the Raptors been in a position where they had a superstar on board and they looked more ready to win a title, then Kyle probably sticks around. But you know, he's only got so many years of productive productivity left. And, and I could totally understand him looking at Miami and the situation there, a team that just went to the finals a couple of years ago and thinking, you know what, a, I, this team maybe offers a better chance at winning a title in the short term. B my pal, Jimmy is there. And that makes it easier. C there's golf everywhere in Florida. And boy, did I like <laughs> golfing all year when I was with the Raptors playing in Tampa. Like, I, I just think, you know, it, it wasn't really, that's one of those things. Like there's not really a sort of, reason why necessarily there's just like all these sort of little reasons i think and you know from the raptors perspective like i kind of said as much as i think the deal that the heat signed lowry to is totally reasonable and i'm glad kyle's getting his money i think for the raptors and where they are they weren't three years of kyle lowry away from being a title contender again they're still kind of in the picking up the pieces mode after you know selling your soul to win a title and i'm sure you know this very well after what the heat did with the big three, right? Like it takes some time after you hit the mountaintop, you obviously expend some things to get there. And then you're not super set up to take the blow. When you lose a superstar, the Raptors took the blow better than basically any team ever has when Kawhi left, but there was still, you know, the fact that they traded away a lot of first round picks and, you know, they didn't get a ton back for guys like Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. They got nothing back for those guys in free agency. And the, I'm not saying the cupboards bare, but it's a little bit sort of further, behind where Kyle what would I think will like a supporting cast to be in his pursuit of a second title and I think that's really it I think it's just kind of a mutual thing from both sides there's nothing uh, I think the Raptors still love Kyle as the player he was and didn't think he was like declining significantly or anything like that I just really do think it was kind of time from both sides for a whole bunch of little reasons as opposed to just one big thing yeah, uh, Miami's bounce back from LeBron's departure in 2014 is absolutely a sticking point although I think you know, the front office did a pretty good job, mostly because they were able to re-sign Chris Bosh. 
They also sure. had Dwayne Wade there. They were able to add some nice players there that unfortunately didn't pan out like Lou Deng and Josh McRoberts, who was perpetually injured during his stint here. But there was also the 2015 acquisition of one point guard, a Goran Dragic, who I'm sure we'll talk about in the next segment. But first, just a reminder to all of our listeners that if you haven't checked them out already, make sure to grab some Built Bars. They're the best tasting protein bars ever. So many delicious flavors to choose from. You can try a coconut bar, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. Sean, do you have a personal favorite that you like? I'm a mint brownie person myself. I love oh, mint wow. brownie. It's freaking delicious. There you go. I mean, my wife's a fan of the mint brownie. I don't personally care for those combination of flavors, as my listeners know, but all of them are great. <laughs> They're all soft and easy to chew, 100% covered in chocolate. And best of all, you don't even know you're eating a protein bar. They've got all the nutrients you might be looking for, and yet they feel like an indulgent treat. So grab, grab yourself a mixed box where you can get a couple of each of these nine delicious flavors. And, and again, go order them today. You can try the new grasshopper cookie or raspberry whichever flavor you want through the official protein bar of the u.s track and field team go to builtbar.com use a promo code lock 15 and you get 15 percent off your order so use the promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off but only at builtbar.com Special crossover episode here with sean woodley of locked on raptors i am david ramill of locked on heat and we're talking about the recent news because nothing's been finalized just yet between the Miami Heat and Toronto Raptors finalizing a trade to acquire Kyle Lowry on the Miami end and Precious Achua and Goran Dragic going over to Toronto at least that's what's been reported I think perhaps a second round pick will be included in that as well at least that's what I've heard from team sources uh for the most part I'm curious what your perspective is on that because I haven't really gotten yeah. into a a eulogy yet so to speak regarding Goran Dragic but I know whenever you and I have talked you don't really like Goran Dragic too much I don't, I don't know <laughs> I, I know the latest scuttle is that they're trying to reroute his contract presumably to the Dallas Mavericks but Mark Cuban is playing hardball there he does not want to pay the full 19 million dollars owed to Goran what's your feeling on this because I mean, again, it feels like there was this mutual parting that was kind of building over the last season or more, maybe with Kyle. And then they kind of were saying, well, you know what? We're going to lose Kyle anyway. We might as well get something in return. But now they've taken on this $20 million contract for an older point guard. Well, not that much older. He's actually slightly younger than Kyle Lowry. But they're going to mm -hmm. take back Goran Dragic's contract. And and now all of a sudden, it kind of feels like they don't really want to deal with that contract. I, I, I'm a little confused as to why... Masai has taken on the deal with Goran in the first place. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess the limited options with the Heat kind of apply, right? And, and I, I guess, you know, there's the sort of school of thought that the Raptors could have not played ball with the Heat and forced yeah. Lowry to walk into their cap space and, yep. you know, force the Heat to do some things there. I think the Raptors are very happy to get a guy like Precious Achua back. He feels very Raptors-y in that... He's a good defender, and maybe we don't know if he's good on offense, but you know that's that fits the bill with a lot of guys on the Raptors right now, and they've had a lot of success with guys like that in the past. That's fair. And then with Dragic, I mean, they can maybe milk another asset out of him, you know, if they can flip him over to Dallas. Actually, on yesterday's podcast, I did a chat on Lockdown Raptors with Nick Angstad from Lockdown Mavs, where we kind of dug into what the return could be, and if the Raptors can convince the Mavs to give up Dwight Powell plus you know Josh Green and Tyrell Terry, which is kind of the the match that. I have circled from when I'm looking at the the roster of the Mavs and the cap math that's required. I think that's totally fine. You know, Green and Terry didn't do much as rookies, but those are developmental projects for a team that loves developmental projects. And so, you know, if they can get those assets in the door for Lowry, I think that's a, that's a win. 
again, kind of going back to the deadline, there's this sort of notion that the Raptors dropped the ball by playing chicken and, and ultimately not dealing Lowry to either the Lakers or the heat or the Sixers. And I, I just, I, I don't really care, honestly, you know, there's this sort of inclination to think and have asset brain all the time and think every player on your roster must be exchanged for as many assets as possible. And I just don't think that applies to franchise icons. I just don't care. And they wanted to do right by Kyle. They didn't feel like they were getting proper offers for Kyle at the deadline. They wanted to keep the possibility of keeping him around open. And also they wanted to keep the flexibility that him walking for nothing would have provided. As it turns out, the free agent market didn't bear out to be super fruitful. You know, the Jared Allen sort of rumors were quashed real quick because the Cavs gave him a huge offer and the Raptors probably were going to be in touch to force Cleveland not to match in tough to force Cleveland not to match if they were to throw an offer sheet his way. And Rashawn Holmes is like the one guy they could have maybe targeted with their cap space, but also I'm not too broken up about not paying Rashawn Holmes, you know, whatever it is, 14 million bucks a year. He's a nice player, but he's not making or breaking your franchise. And there's a long history of giving big deals to people in free agency that don't work out. <clears throat> Damari Carroll and a whole bunch of others. Right. You know, think of all the dudes the Heat signed in free agency, you know, in the post, you know, Bosch and Wade years. Like that there's, you know, there's not always a guarantee there. So I think the Raptors looked at the landscape and said, you know what, using our cap space maybe isn't going to be the move here. And if we bring back Drogic, hey, maybe we can flip into the Mavericks and that still might happen. It may have happened by the time this airs, who knows? But even if it's just the matter of bringing Drogic back, I think there's value in having him on the team. You know, the Raptors' biggest issue is half-court creation and, and ball handling. And Drogic brings that, right? Like, he's been a really nice piece for the Heat in that very department recently. I think if you throw Drogic in and have him run bench units and maybe close sometimes with Fred Van Vliet in the backcourt, that's a totally good way to stay relevant. And this is not a team that is going to tank. They have too many good players on hand to tank. First of all, you would assume when they don't have all their best players coming down with COVID for months at a time, and they're not playing in a, a different country and different and down in Florida, that things are going to be a little bit more Raptorsy in terms of kind of overachieving expectations and playing well and being in the playoff conversation. They're not a title contender, but they're also not going to tank. And so I think you keep Dragic around if you can't get a good deal and he helps you be relevant and good and sort of get back to what the Raptors have been for the last seven, eight, 10 years, almost right. All kind of under Kyle Lowry. There's not really a huge incentive to move off of him. Yes. It's not the sexiest way to have spent that cap space that they hypothetically could have had. But if you look at the market, you're really not hand wringing over too many of the guys they might've missed out on, unless you are an absolute Rashawn Holmes truther, which I don't know if any of those exist, frankly. So yeah, it's, maybe not the best asset management from a getting the most you possibly can out of every outgoing contract type of situation, but I also am not at all broken up about it. And if it's Drogic and precious and a second round pick and maybe another player, just depending, you know, there's this sort of weirdness as to how much Kyle's actually going to be making on his deal. And, you know, I think Woj reported it as approximately 90 million and that approximately kind of matters. If it's 87.5, the right. math is just precious and Dragic works, but if it's actually 90 million, they'll probably have to send back KZ Paula too. And if that's another asset you can add to the coffers, that's totally, you know, totally fine too. So, you know, I just wish this trade would get finalized mostly because it's been a lot of hypoth like, uh, hypotheticals and stuff, but yeah, I, it's, people will have their issues with it. And Dragic in particular is kind of a thorny character in Toronto because sure. 
you know, he's had some dust-ups with Kyle Lowry and with the Raptors. He tripped OG Ananobi in a game last year. People really don't forget that stuff. But I've also kind of made the argument that he's the exact type of heel that Toronto Raptors fans adore, as proved by how much they love Kyle Lowry, a guy who most other fan bases truly hate. So, like, it's going to be a pretty quick, uh, I think, accepting acceptance of Goran Dragic if he is, in fact, on the Raptors next season. And I personally have talked myself into it, and I'd rather they, they keep him than ship him off for parts to Dallas. Well, there's also the possibility, right, of just retaining him for the next few months. If, if Toronto's status yeah. is not actually a title contender, they can keep an asset like Coron, trade him in February to a would-be title contender and perhaps totally. yeah, get something there at that point in time. Maybe even milk Dallas at that point in time and just you know make take advantage of the next few months with Goran on the roster. So this is your opportunity. We're here talking. I mean, you know how I feel about Goran Dragic. If you've got questions about Goran or Precious, I am more than willing to answer them because I, I, mean, I feel like a lot of Heat fans are kind of, well, not taking this as badly as Raptors fans are taking the loss of Kyle, but I think that it's kind of hard to equate apples to slightly, you know, comparable apples. Uh, you know, <laughs> they don't really like the deal. I mean, I've seen a lot of people say, well, what's the point of trading one 35-year-old point guard for another? And it's, I mean, obviously, you know, Kyle is a much different player than Goran Dragic is, but that's not to say that Goran doesn't have value. And the loss of Precious Achua, I, I don't, well, I don't really think of him as much of a loss, and maybe that's not what Raptors fans want to hear right now, but Achua, <laughs> go ahead. Well, you have something to ask? No, no, I, I was just laughing because that's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's. I find it so funny just in any sort of trade, both sides are just like so angry all the time about what's going on because people get so attached to the what's like their stuff, right? It's just, yeah. you know, it's the playground mentality where you want to trade your your Barry Bonds baseball card for someone else's Ken Griffey Jr. but you're trying to get also something in addition to the Ken Griffey Jr. because right. you are really valuable you're really valuing the Barry Bonds like it's just it's how it works and you know for any Heat fans who are skeptical about Lowry you know I think it's not unfair to say that Lowry is a much better sort of all-around basketball player than Dragic these days he's still a very good defender his playmaking is outstanding and he just does the stuff that wins you games it's totally unquantifiable except it actually is and if you look at any sort of catch-all metrics from the last 10 years in the nba of you know wins above replacement or vorp or raptor or any of these other ones that are all made up and i don't know where they come from but (laughs) kyle lowry's in the top five or ten of basically every single one of these since 2010 he's incredible like he's a really dynamic winning basketball player and I think the Heat are very lucky to have him. And I think the fit with Jimmy and Bam is outstanding. Bam is going to become a whole new player, man. Kyle Lowry gets big men paid and really kind of highlights all of their abilities. It was really Aaron Baines was the first time he didn't make a big man look better than he actually is. He got Bismack Biombo like $17 million a year. He's really freaking good. That's um, right. When That's it comes to Dragic, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just, I, re- I remember that uh, he had that really great season with Toronto and then he signed with the Orlando Magic and never really yeah. quite panned out. Let me ask you this then with Dragic. Uh, we'll get to Precious in a sec, who I think is the more interesting sort of long-term play for the Raptors. Cause yeah, Dragic will be around for a year or less if he does stick around. But in terms of what he can still bring, yes, he's been hurt quite a bit in the last couple of years. I know, but yeah. you know, as I kind of alluded to the Raptors half court issues have been real. They've had a lot of trouble scoring in half court sets ever since Kawhi left, frankly, 
Is Dragic someone who can help with that? And how do you think he fits with the sort of mix of players the Raptors have from Siakam to Ananobi to Van Vliet and everyone in between? I think it's going to take him a little while to get that kind of chemistry, even with somebody like Bam Adebayo. Prior to that, you know, working with Hassan Whiteside, it's something that Goran has learned how to do slowly over the tail end of his career. At this point in his career, he's not quite the dynamic playmaker he may once have been in Phoenix or in Houston when he was playing alongside Kyle Lowry, ironically enough. But in in Miami, it's something that's kind of been a slow development for him. But I, I still think that he is deceptively quick uh he's never been the most physical player or the fastest it's something that he's you know he explained to me when i first talked to him when he first joined the heat you know he has that move that everybody refers to down here as the iron shoulder where he kind of creates space underneath the rim which is why he finishes at the rim at such a high level or at least that's how he used to finish at the rim uh he, he actually just you know uses his physicality to some degree because he doesn't have that elite athleticism or burst and so he just has to create space in order to finish at the rim at that point in time. So I think he's still a great playmaker, um, not as great as Kyle, but he's still a decent scorer. And I think like last year was a bad year for him because he was coming off that plantar fascia tear in the Orlando mm-hmm. bubble. It was a long season. Last year was disastrous for Miami, not quite to the extent as Toronto, but it was just tough. You know, they lost Jimmy for 10 games in the middle of the season. They they were playing very badly. Goran missed time because of health and safety protocols. He was bouncing back from injury. He is older, but I think his shooting is still a, a plus. I think he's still going to be able to knock down the three-pointer with some regularity. He's got the nice mid-range shot as well. He doesn't get to the line as much as Kyle, which has always been a, a point of contention for me, is that for a, a player like Goran to have the ball in his hands as much as he does, he needs to be able to draw more fouls. And this is... This is going to be a frustrating point for Raptors fans if you do wind up keeping Goran because the the you know the familiarity with seeing Kyle draw fouls as quickly and easily as he does, <laughs> not getting that with Goran Dragic. But uh, you know he just he will complain to referees at times and then he will kind of lose his cool a little bit and commit a hard foul to make up for it because he wants to continue yelling and getting attention and things of that sort. That could be a little frustrating at times, but overall, I'd say he's still a very good player. Like I mean, just as a a personal side, I, I always really appreciated Goran in Miami. I think Heat fans really loved him. I still think he's the best point guard in Heat history. So it's kind of swapping hmm. the mutual best point guards in franchise history. I, I think you can make a case for Tim Hardaway. But Goran's career has been so weird. And it's something I've talked about on my own show. But maybe just for the sake of, you know, Raptors fans listening to this. You know, he was acquired in 2015 and almost immediately Chris Bosch is diagnosed with, you know, life-threatening blood clots. And so you're not quite sure, sure what happens. And that season kind of falls apart. They don't make the playoffs. They draft, you know, draft Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson the following year. And then they make a nice run. They meet the Raptors in the final and the playoffs. And it seems like almost it could have gone either way in that series, if not for Kyle Lowry playing as well as he did. You're damn right. Not for, if not for Kyle Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> But if I recall correctly, Gora had a pretty solid series at, at that time, too. I think it was okay, but they were also missing Chris Bosch yet again, who was missing, you know, because of, uh, you know, the blood clots uh, coming back again. So it's been this weird tenure for him. And then Dwayne leaves in 2016 following the loss of the Raptors. Uh, you know, they have that 41-41 season where they've got these guys on one-year prove-it deals like James Johnson, former Raptors, great James Johnson, uh, you know, Dion Waiters, Derek Williams was here for one year too. So you could never really appreciate what Goran was able to bring to the table because the team wasn't always great. And the expectations sure. for him were so weird because they had acquired him at a point in time where they were a, a legitimate threat to, if not necessarily the title, at least be a strong playoff contender. If, if Bosch had stayed healthy, 
you know, you add him to that roster that you know Miami had in 2015, 16, and 17. That's a different raw. That's a completely different team there. And Gorn, totally you know, being a part of that, he was never expected to handle the brunt of the offense. He was never su- supposed to carry the team, and yet that's kind of the role that was thrust upon him. And then you have to transition yet again when you've got younger players. You've got Dion who comes back from injury, and he's expected to be this player that he never really pans out to be. And then, of course, you, you just wind up losing him again. Then Dwayne comes back right before his retirement, and the focus is completely on him. It's just – it's been a really weird stint for Goran in Miami, and he just – He's always been consistent and and really easy to talk to from a media perspective. He's just a fan favorite. I think a lot of people really appreciated his grit and tenacity and the fact that he is a little, you know, maybe not cheap or dirty, but I think he just, he does get physical at times. And I think it's something that as a fan, you could probably appreciate his effort on the floor because you know that he's doing it to make up for that lack of athleticism on the court. I think he's going to be a nice fit there. He could be a starter. He could be a six man off the bench, which is the role that he was expected to carry last year too. So I, I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a nice addition. I, there are worse things that you can get in exchange for Kyle Lowry than Goran Dragic, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I am definitely going to be uh, heading to our friends at BetOnline.ag and putting some money down on uh, on Goran winning Six Man of the Year this coming year. <laughs> like it's, you know, it might be a long shot. There's lots of other yeah. candidates, but I just really feel like kind of that insertion of creation and sort of wise floor management into a lineup that's going to feature guys like Chris Boucher and Malachi Flynn and probably Scotty Barnes, the Raptors first round pick. Like I think there's a lot of reason to think that second unit, if Dragic sticks around could be really, really entertaining and Dragic would be a big reason for it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, You know, I I think there's something I've also mentioned before and maybe Heat fans have forgotten, but, uh, you know, there was a language barrier that was very difficult for him to assume the role of leadership. And he's kind of evolved into it. And I think that's a a huge component of just being the kind of mentor locker room presence now that uh, people kind of tend to overlook or not consider because, you know, this is Jimmy's team now and it was Jimmy's team last season. And before that, it was Dwayne's team or Chris Bosch's team. And then Goran was just kind of there, but he's slowly become a strong presence in the locker room. So while he may never be Kyle from an inspirational standpoint, he's still a guy that younger players can look up to, to, you know, just his work ethic, his consistency, his dedication and things of that sort. I think they're pretty admirable and consistent traits that will inspire those around him. So I, I think he's a nice addition to be honest with you. I'm, I'm curious to see what your questions about Precious Achua are, because that I think is a bigger issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't, I'm not under any, under any aspersions that, you know, uh, he's going to be some sort of, you know, future of the team sort of foundational piece going forward. But I I am very fascinated by Achua. And maybe this is just because a couple of glimpses against the Raptors in particular last year had me intrigued. But like, I don't know, am I wrong in saying very good defensive prospect with, you know, limited offensive upside or so far has exhibited limited offensive upside? Like what's the read on Achua? What are the Raptors getting in him? And if he does come in and is sort of like the backup center on the team next season, what can Raptors fans expect? Because, you know, I think there's always this sort of assumption when the Heat, it's kind of like when the Raptors get a young guy, right? It's like, oh, the Raptors of the Heat got this young guy. They're clearly going to turn them into something awesome. You know, it is a little bit of, I suppose, a red flag when the Heat are like, yeah, we'll move on from this guy. But also they wanted Kyle Lowry. So maybe you have to give up something to get something. What's the sort of read on Achua and what are the Raptors getting in him as uh, as a project here as a guy who's just like 21 years old? 
Yeah, that's really tough to answer. And I know I, I hate being this vague for the sake of your listeners, but I, you know, spent a year watching Precious and not knowing what the hell I was watching most of the time. It's very difficult <laughs> to get a really clear understanding because there's incredible athleticism there. Like there were moments there where mm -hmm. he seemed even more explosive than Bam Adebayo, which is saying something. Uh, and right. just he's somewhat undersized too absolutely foul prone and i think that's the biggest point of contention i think that your, your your fans will absolutely dislike how quickly he picks up fouls and it's not for any you know lack of effort or anything like that he's just i don't know I, he just seems to pick up fouls very quickly he seems a little spaced out on defense on, on occasion he's out of position somewhat um just hasn't really picked up on the speed of the game and then there are moments there where he has this really nice bursts of athleticism and you know he, he has a pretty nice handle he can initiate the offense and bring the ball up court and lead to a fast break or a slam or something like that and it's just like oh where where is this precious been why isn't he out there mm -hmm. and yet eric spolstra who you know i think he'll he'll give young guys the playing time if he feels that they've earned it he just he never really played precious consistently it was hard to know what you were getting out of him regularly. And I think that, you know, if, if you're, if Raptors fans are looking forward to the possibility of getting Casey Okpala, Okpala is in the same boat. He, he just has not been able to crack the rotation consistently. There are moments there where you go, this is it. It's KZ season. Heat fans have been trumpeting his, his you know, his ascension to the ranks at some point, And it's just, <laughs> it never ever works out. Cause there's like this moment where he has a three point shot and a steal. And it's like, this is it. And then all of a sudden he gets it. He picks up two fouls within 30 seconds. And is like, oh, damn it. That's right. Yes, he's not going to get any playing time for the next two weeks. Um, so with Precious, look, he, he's, you know, he's got the all-around game. I think he can be. His hands are absolute crap. Uh, he, he sometimes right. he bobbles the ball horribly and he just, he just doesn't not, does not seem like he's expecting the play to be run for him. I'm not sure if it's just that same kind of lack of timing or understanding of timing or something along those lines, but it's just hard to watch him play sometimes. And maybe that's just a matter of him not really playing basketball a lot. You know, he, he picked up the sport late in life. Uh, you know, he got that scholarship to Memphis because of his athleticism and everything else. And then, you know, he was one and done basically. So I don't know that he can really. I don't know that we've seen the very best of him. I, I don't think so. There is absolutely a prospect there. I'm just not sure what the end product is going to be. Yeah. And I mean, that's totally fair. I, I think the Raptors are very happy to take on a dude with crazy athleticism, with some tools and maybe some things to iron out. I wouldn't be surprised if even precious got a little run in the G league this year. I know he kind of spent the whole year in the NBA this past season, but well, the G yeah. league was its own weird sort of, animal this past year where it wasn't really conducive to for development for anybody and so Miami uh, I didn't think, feel the G League team at all so I mean that, sure, that would have been yeah. a great option to just send him down and give him the kind of experience he needs and that never panned out yeah so I'm, I'm not too concerned I, you know again it's not maybe the sexiest outcome here and I know people were like oh man they could have gotten Tyrese Maxey for Kyle, Kyle Lowry or Matisse Thibel because the Raptors definitely need another six foot seven wing who can't shoot um, <laughs> and is very good at defense like yeah, I, I, I think Precious is a totally fine gamble and seeing if you can turn him into something over the next couple of years here while he's still on his rookie deal, it's totally a, a worthwhile thing. And the Raptors have figured this thing out in the past, whether he becomes like a stretch five or something, probably not. But, you know, if you can mold him into, you know, a, a dive man who, you know, can offer you some rim protection, even if he's undersized, I mean, he's such a thick dude, like he's very very imposing and i i, I kind of think that matters more than the raw height listing and i think there's a there's a lot to be excited about there in terms of him being a guy who might be something is he guaranteed to be something certainly not but i think 
considering the Raptors acumen for developing talent, I, I think he's a worthwhile sort of profile of a player to take a flyer on and see if you can turn it into something in exchange for Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I think there was also hope, at least from Miami side, that maybe he would be the, the guy to fill in at the four next to Bam. Like maybe that they sure. would be somewhat complementary of one each other or of each other, or maybe even duplicative to some degree, like both athletic, both undersized, but you know, capable of switching on defense and making the right mm -hmm. play and things of that sort, and just never quite panned out. They didn't really get a lot of playing time. I can't recall exactly how much, but it was just very, very limited. And I, I just I don't know. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect or want him to be the the backup center just because of the the height issue and things of that sort but if you could bring him in there as another four alongside somebody that's more of a traditional rim protector if you do somehow manage to you know trade Goron for Dwight Powell Powell's not quite the same rim protector but at least there's a little bit more size and floor spacing so that you're not I think that seems much more complimentary the fit of those two so that would be a nice find from uh, Toronto I think Sure. Makes a lot of sense, man. I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it, it is a, you're not getting this. It's a sign and trade, right? Like there, there wasn't a, one, wasn't a whole lot of leverage. He could have walked, Larry could have walked to Miami on his own without any sort of sign and trade. I think he kind of maybe did the Raptors a solid by, you know, working right. with them on one. Right. Uh, I think, um, you know, anything back for a, a pending free agent is always better than getting nothing. And I think if Achua can, become something then people will be much less ha unhappy about not getting Tyrese Maxey or whatever the hell it was at the deadline yeah you know I, I've stopped thinking about that just like you have like the, the possibility of whether or not Miami season would have gone differently if they had acquired Lowry or anything like that it's it's just it doesn't really matter uh, I mean and it, I don't think even if they had gotten Lowry I don't know if they would have been able to challenge Milwaukee mm -hmm. any more effectively than they had now is it time for them to kind of reset and I know that's the maybe that's the complaint from Heat fans is like are you a clear contender and I'm curious I mean do you see you see Miami's roster uh, you mentioned now that Toronto is not necessarily a title contender do you see Miami's rebuilt roster and with the addition of Kyle whether or not they might be a fringe title contender because I don't think I don't think they've left past Milwaukee or Brooklyn in terms of overall talent as good as Kyle is where do you yeah. see Miami season shaking up? Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot depends on what the Sixers do with Ben Simmons. And if he's back, I, you know, I still think they're really good and probably better than the Heat because mm -hmm. Embiid is Embiid. But yeah, like three, four, five, I could totally see that being where the Heat land. And then I would not want to play them at all in a playoff series. They'd be a freaking nightmare. Like it's just yeah. absolutely just miserable to play against. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to go win the title. I'm probably rooting for it when it comes down to it because I want to see Kyle do it again. But right. either way, I think they're a better team now than they were last year. And honestly, I would say that their roster is better going into this season than it was in the bubble season. And when they went to the finals, like Kyle's that good. He's really, really something. And he's going to help you win a ton of games down there. Yeah, I, I, I kind of did want to ask you a little bit about that, just to give my, my listeners a little bit more. You kind of touched on it throughout the whole show, so I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but just just kind of sell Heat fans on Kyle Lowry because I, I think it's something that we've all been talking about, and you mentioned it before, how he's going to help Bam and everything else. But just even just from an off-the-court perspective, I'm just so curious to see how he interacts with Jimmy. Now, they've got... You know, the whole thing with Jimmy and maybe somewhat is it's somewhat performative, but, you know, he's a he's just a real dog. Right. He's a guy who kind of gets in your face and it holds everybody accountable <laughs> and everything else like that. Isn't that exactly what Kyle is? 
Yeah, maybe a little bit more gentle about it. He's really, really great with young players. Like, right. I feel like Jimmy maybe kind of has this, like, abrasive reputation with young guys. Like, Kyle will take dudes under his wing. He will be good for Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Bam even. Like, he will be excellent for, for that. And like I said before, you know, I don't need to belabor it. Like, he just is a winning player. He drives winning every time he's on the floor the Raptors were good. Like during his time with the team, he was on the floor. They were very good. If he was not on the floor, they were mad or bad. Like okay. the, it just was that simple. He, I think the total, and I, forgive me, I'm not getting the exact numbers correct here, but look up Blake Murphy, uh, our pal who covers the, the Raptors for the athletic. He has a whole chart on the players that Lowry played with and like the very clear differences in how well they played with Lowry and without, and the team as a whole between 2013 or 2012 and the time he left, they were like a plus six net rating with Kyle on the floor and a net zero with him off. Like they're, he just drives winning. It's sometimes he'll go three of 12, but he will also be like a plus 40. And that's just the kind of player he is, man. And it's funny. Cause like Jimmy Butler, I feel like can also go three for 12 and they can still, he can still be a plus 40. It's kind of a similar vibe. Yeah. Um, you'll need someone to score obviously. And Larry is a very good scorer and he kind of has taken it upon himself to be a scorer more often recently. Right. Um, but you know, I think he's going to absolutely help the heat win a ton of games like it's just what Kyle does there's a reason the Raptors hit their Vegas over like eight seasons in a row it's because Kyle Lowry was on the team like he wins basketball games that's the best and sort of really only thing you need to know about Kyle Lowry I know it's hard to project but how do you think he'll continue to age I mean I've seen both sides of the argument whether or not he's gonna continue to age well that you know his style of play may not be conducive to good aging so where do you fall on that spectrum because I'm kind of I'm it's hard for me to kind of say because again I've seen both sides here what do you think is going to happen to Kyle two years down the road uh, yeah, I mean, look, is the third year of that deal potentially going to be trouble? Maybe, but sure. he cares. hasn't had a lot of decline. His offensive game, I think, has kind of become even more mature and impressive in the last few years. He's such a pick and roll maestro that yep. age as well. It's kind of like we've always seen with Chris Paul, right? Right. Like, it doesn't really matter how athletic you are. If you're smart enough and you know the angles well enough, you can pick apart an opposing defense. Uh, I think where the drop-off is probably going to come, and it already kind of did last season, is on the defensive end. Like, I'm seeing all this stuff like, oh, man, Kyle Lowry is this incredible defender, and the Heat are going to have the best defensive lineups in the league. You know, Kyle was not great defensively this past season, and that could be due to the circumstances of the team not being very good. But, you know, he gets blown by a little bit more than he used to. He's still an incredible, like, if you put him on a bigger guy and he tries to post up, that bigger guy is not scoring. He's probably embarrassing himself and dropping his lunch money everywhere, and Kyle's picking it up and running the other way. Um, he's going to take a million charges and you're going to absolutely delight and also be terrified every time he does, because he does not care who it is. It could be a little point guard. It could be Joel Embiid. He's going to take charges and he's going to do it basically every single night. Um, but you know, the, the, so he's got that sort of defensive wit and instinct there. I think the sort of foot speed and the lateral quickness is probably what's going to go first if it hasn't already started to go, but with all the other defensive tools they have on that team, I don't think that's going to be that big a deal, honestly. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I'm I'm already excited to see what both teams do. To be honest with you, because I mean, even there, there's some joy to be taken in uh, a new step forward for a Toronto team that that was 
I think overachieving over the last couple of years, but I mean, that's part of their identity. It's been a fun one to watch, at least from my perspective. I, I know maybe your listeners don't feel quite the same way because you've, you've tasted the glory of a championship, but even from the Miami side, look, if, if, you know, like you said before, you know, now there's somebody to root for down in Miami and if Miami can somehow find a way to build a title contender. It's good that uh, Kyle is there to lead the way. Cause I I'm also a believer in what he brings to the table. I think he's just a great player overall and a good person to have in that locker room. I think the fact that there is that relationship with Jimmy Butler is going to help immeasurably. They might not be the most talented team, but I think they'll be possibly the best team, you know, and the kind of chemistry that you need in order to achieve great success during the regular season and postseason. So it's going to be a hell of a season to watch. Thank you so much for taking the time, Sean. I really appreciate you talking to me and, and explaining to my listeners everything you can. And hopefully I can, you know, shed some light on Goran Dragic. Again, it's hard to kind of, weigh in too much on what happens with Gore and his future in Toronto, knowing that there might be another deal in the works there with another team. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out as well. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to do it, man. Uh, take care of Kyle down there. He's an absolute delight. You're going to love him. He's good. You're going to hate him. You're not going to hate him as the media. He's going to hate you as the media. Uh, so be prepared <laughs> for that. Um, but like, he's fun about it and tongue in cheek and, and coy with all of it. It's uh Kyle's the best, man. I, uh, I'm going to miss watching him every single night, and I'll be watching an inordinate number of Heat games because I need to get that Kyle Lowry fix. Well, there you have it, my conversation with Sean. I hope you enjoyed all the insight on Kyle Lowry. I don't know about you, but I, I think it's exciting to see what a player like Lowry can do, not just because of uh, his on-the-court impact, but also his off-the-court growth and everything that he can contribute to that locker room, as I've said so many times and will continue to say, the team's chemistry is something that I am very looking forward to seeing how it plays out and just manifesting into a way that leads to a lot of successful victories for the Miami Heat. But just also a reminder that betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you want to place a little wager in Miami's win total next year, then you have to listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You get daily picks, you blow out specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. You can always reach out to me via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors today and special thanks most of all to you. I'm David Ramil signing off for now. Have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>